Welcome to St. George Orthodox Church Homilies and Reflections. Today's homily is from the Sunday of the Publican and the Pharisee, on which we learn from the genuine humility of the Publican, in which the whole heart, mind, and strength are fixed solely on God for help. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Joyous feast. Joyous feast. It's an interesting thing to think about. This week, the Sunday after the Sunday of the Publican, the week after the Sunday of the Publican and Pharisee, there's no fasting. Usually fast every Wednesday and Friday at least throughout the year. So there's no fasting this coming week. And the other times in the year that that occurs, where there's no fast, who knows what times of year that is? When does that happen that we have a week with no fasting? George? Pascha. Also Nativity. And what are, so what are we doing then? We're celebrating. We're rejoicing. Here, one of the reasons we fast, we don't fast this week, one of the reasons that we don't has to do with recognizing that fasting can't save us. That all of the ascetical disciplines that we do can't save us. Only God himself can save us. Only God himself can raise us to new and lasting life. All of the things that we do are just a means of pursuing him. But it's he himself that we are after. Not becoming a yogi, not becoming a guru, not you know, gaining some sort of spiritual power. I remember once when I was at the cathedral in Boston, Father Robert mentioned to me once that someone had come to him and had said that he wanted to learn more about the Jesus prayer and about what's called noetic prayer, the prayer of the heart, because he wanted to be able to have power to help other people. So think about that. It seems like a worthy goal, right? Like I want to, but that's not, you know, the path of Christ and the path we follow after Christ is one of self-emptying, one of loss of power, not gaining it, not pursuing it. So it's a very strange thing. But so this week, certainly, we recognize that fasting can't save us. But the flip side of that is that this is a week of rejoicing because we recognize that God himself can save us and will and desires to. And so we don't fast this week, and just like after Pascha, it's a week of rejoicing, of recognizing that, thank God, it doesn't all depend on me but it all depends on Him. And so it's a beautiful week. The parable that we read today reminds us of the need for humility. You know how this stuff with the coronavirus right now 
Um, for the period of time that we're in right now, we would describe it as a pandemic, right? But then eventually, most epidemiologists and others, they say, well, eventually, the coronavirus will be endemic. What does that mean? It means it's just going to be around. People are going to catch it. It's just the way it's going to be. So it'll be endemic. It's something that's always around that people are susceptible to. The reason the church gives us this parable before we enter into the period of Great Lent is to remind us that the temptation to pride, the temptation to self-righteousness, in all of the things that we do during Great Lent, is endemic. It's always there. The temptation dogs you at your every step. When you come into the church and you cross yourself, the temptation is there. When we have our nice people that, that come up and serve and chant, the temptation is there. When you serve on the parish council, the temptation is there. When you finally gained some sort of sense where you feel like you've mastered an area of your life where you're really struggling, the temptation is there. It's endemic. It's always there. We can always fall ill with self-righteousness and pride. And so the church reminds us before we enter into Great Lent, be watchful, be aware, and also teaches us something about the genuine prayer that we are to offer to God. These two, this parable, and then another parable that the Lord tells immediately before this in the Gospel of Luke, are both about prayer and are both about our disposition. The one that comes before this has to do, do you remember the parable of, of the, the unjust judge that fears neither God nor men? He doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. No one is going to influence him. Not even the scriptures. So even, even the law that says you should love your neighbor and that you should care for widows. He doesn't even care about that. None of it means anything to him. But there's a widow that constantly pesters him and bothers him and says, give me justice, and is constantly crying out to him. And so finally he says, so that this woman won't give me a black eye. And you have this, this image of this widow maybe taking her bag and just beating him over the head with it. Give me what I want. And so finally he says, fine, because you won't leave me alone, I'll give you what you want, what you're asking for. And so the Lord used this to talk with his disciples about how they ought to pray always without losing heart. And that there would be times where they're crying out to him and where they're so desirous of him coming and restoring everything to justice and to order and to righteousness that they would begin to lose heart. But he says, don't lose heart. Keep crying out. And so it was a parable about persistence in prayer. The next parable is about what? If you were to think of the heart of what we read this morning and what it says about how we, the disposition of our heart within prayer, what would it be? What are some characteristics of that heart 
before God when we're in prayer. Contrition, so being humbled, brought low. Certainly. And that's even part of the, the, the last words of the, when the Lord sort of interprets the parable, that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Certainly. But there's something else that we see in the Pharisee. He is standing up, and the way that the parable could be interpreted sometimes, it's not really clear. Is he praying to God, or is he actually just talking to himself? <laughs> and we don't know whether he's actually in dialogue with God or not. That's fuzzy, it's not clear. We do know that while he's praying, he has his attention fixed on what is in the periphery. He doesn't have his mind and heart focused on God in humility. It's somewhere else. It's actually on the tax collector. He looks right at him and says, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. <laughs> This is one of the biggest endemic temptations for us as Orthodox believers. And we struggle with it constantly. And we always want the Pharisee to be someone else. But really, the Pharisee is us. It's me. I am the Pharisee. I am the one that is unable to pray because my eye is drawn to something or someone or something that's going on over here. And it's usually drawn in judgment and condemnation and lack of just, you know, and comparison also. He compares himself to the publican and saying, thank you, that I'm not like that. In our culture, it would be a Republican saying, thank God I'm not a Democrat. And it would be a Democrat saying, thank God I'm not a Republican. It is literally that. You know, and coming before God in prayer and saying something like that. You know, within our country, there are actually entire denominations and congregations of believers that are like that. But then it goes deeper. And this is the thing that you start to find out about all of these. these um, you remember last week, if you listened to the homily or if you were here, we talked about the woman and how she just needed a little crumb of a word from the Lord, and that was enough. Just one little thing. And so last week we talked about the value of silence and how if you have that one thing, you just learn to put, put silence into practice. You'll start to bear fruit all over the place in accord with the gospel. You just put this one thing into practice. Well, if you put this one thing into practice of humble yourself, which is what the Lord is saying through this parable, humble yourself, don't compare yourself with others, and certainly don't put yourself above others. Just humble yourself and cry out to God saying, I am the sinner. 
in Greek, that's what the, the publican actually says. He doesn't just say, I'm a sinner. He says, I'm the sinner. Have mercy on me, the sinner. So he puts himself in that position. But just like anything else within our lives, remember I said the temptation is endemic. It's always there. It's like in Genesis where God says to, to um, Cain before he kills his brother Abel, he says, sin is crouching at your door and it wants to devour you. But you can still master it. And of course, Cain doesn't. But so the temptation is always there. So think about this scenario. We go through. So we look at the things that the publican does. The publican stands far aside, so he goes out of sight. So maybe if our church was larger, he would find a place to hide. Maybe he'd you know, be hiding behind one of these pillars because he doesn't want anybody to see him. So he stands far aside. He keeps his eyes. He won't even lift them up to heaven. He has his eyes fixed on the ground. So he has a humble posture. And he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Remember at the beginning of the homily, we were talking about how fasting can't save us? putting your eyes to the ground and beating your breast and just mouthing the words, God be merciful to me, the sinner. What can genuinely save us is the Lord himself. And the publican in the parable knows this. And so he has his eyes completely fixed on him, not on beating on his breast, not on the prayer that he's saying, not on the fact that he's over in the corner, but he has his heart, his mind, his whole body, soul focused on the Lord himself as his Savior. And so this is how he's able to walk away justified. Whereas we can end up doing these things, and there, there can, it happens a lot in, um, I've mentioned it before in homilies where um, you know, somebody might write a really scathing and rude and nasty letter to one of our metropolitans or one of our bishops and then sign it, you know, yours in humility, the chief of sinners, you know, subdeacon Barsanufius or whatever, you know. And, um, and you start to wonder, like, what is really going on there? Like, what is this affectation of humility when we try to look humble and yet within like the Pharisees described in the Gospels, were just full of dead men's bones. And so the temptation is endemic. It's always there. Even if we do all of the things that we're supposed to do, till he hath mercy on us. Like, as the psalm says, as the eyes of a slave are on the hand of his master, the eyes of a handmaiden on the hand of her mistress, so our eyes are fixed on the Lord our God until he hath mercy on us and not distracted or turned anywhere else. And so we have to... And the great mercy of God to us, His grace to us, 
is that when we do all these things, you know, we go, we try not to draw attention to ourselves and we have a humble posture, we say our prayers. The Lord, through the scriptures, convicts us and speaks to us and lets us know just what hypocrites we really are. And you would think, well, what a horrible thing. Why is he always telling us that we're hypocrites? It's like, because we're hypocrites. Why shouldn't he speak the truth to us and allow us, in seeing it, to actually genuinely repent? Would it be loving for him to withhold the reality of how hypocritical that we are so that, so that we would read all of the passages from the scriptures that maybe don't talk about that? You know how the church has its lectionary, so maybe we would set up the readings for the year that contain nothing. You know, during Holy Week, when Jesus is saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And keep in mind that the priest, you know, standing as the symbol of Christ to the congregation, and he's reading that gospel passage saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Well, who's in the room? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's not talking to people up the street. We're the ones that are here. There's the Lord speaking his word, and we're the ones within, he within earshot. Who is he talking to? He's talking to us. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs that are full of dead men's bones. If we can hear this and begin to repent, we can be saved. And that's what we've seen over and over again in the passages that we've been reading the past few weeks. How often the people that, 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 that the world and everybody in it thought it's impossible for them to be saved, and yet they are. And so may the Lord help us to be mindful of this temptation to pride and self-righteousness. And when we fall into it, may he help us to genuinely be like the publican and cry out to him, God have mercy on me, the sinner. Which is to say, and this is, you know, this is probably why prayer needs to, within our lives, sort of become, it needs to become unceasing. Because we fall into these things every single day. From moment to moment, from minute to minute, we fall into these, these traps. So we need to constantly be crying out to the Lord, God have mercy on me, the sinner. Amen. Thank you for joining us at St. George Orthodox Church, homilies and reflections. Please be sure to like and subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Okay, goodbye. God bless you.